Hi. Hey guys, my name is Chanel Perillo, and I'm a casting director and producer based in Los Angeles. I've cast shows like Drag Race, F Boy Island, The Real Housewives franchise, and Million Dollar Listing, to name a few. I want to welcome you to Shut Up Chanel, a podcast where I take you through my LGBTQIA journey, while each week I get to chat with the queer royalty that helps shape me. Buckle up, because I know you're going to want to tell me to shut up. Shut up, Chanel. The reigning queen of wit, the one who turned reading into an art form, and the only hurricane I want to invite into my life. She is the queen of comedy, Bianca Del Fucking Rio. Welcome to the stage. Oh, well, welcome. Well, thank you for welcoming me. And that is a lovely intro. I need to use that as like a real intro for a show. That is, that's, that's lovely and uplifting. I enjoy it. Oh my God, I'll send it to your people. Please do my people, my one person, <laughs> Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? Where are you joining me from right now? I'm good. I'm at home, actually, in Palm Springs. It's been a little busy week because we just announced that I have a tour starting in 2024, in January. So we've been doing a lot of press between here and Los Angeles and, you know, just rolling through it, trying to get it all out there before the holidays. Because as Americans, you know, we have Thanksgiving next week, which the world fucking stops for most people. So we just got that out. Tickets go on sale tomorrow. I don't know when this is airing, but you know what I mean. No, the world ends for like a dinner. Like oh, all- completely, <laughs> completely. And my favorite thing is the fact that people come up to you and ask you questions like it's a big deal. Like, what are you doing for the holidays? What are you like when you're a drag queen that travels? Fucking days don't mean shit to you, you know? <laughs> oh, well, it's this day or oh, it's that day. You're like standing in front of the bank going, why aren't you open? Oh, well, because it's Veterans Day or because like I we don't I, none of that registers to me. So I have no connection to holidays. So it's like from Halloween when they're like, what are you going to dress up as? I usually go a man because every day is fucking Halloween. So it doesn't mean anything to me. Thanksgiving doesn't mean anything to me. And and Christmas, you're like, okay, I live in Palm Springs. There's no snow. It's not Christmassy. So, you know, none of that registers in my world. So my life continues. Your life continues. I love that. Yeah. I like to start off each episode with how we met. And Ooh. I want your whatever you remember. I want you. Well, to I knew up. I knew of you from other people, and I knew your job, so I knew what you did. But remember meeting you because you worked on Drag Race uh, before my seasons, correct? Because I was six, and I think did you you did five, right? Six was six was when I had I had just I had just left. Okay, yeah. So I knew of you because when I I think I might have heard about you through Courtney Act, who I had who I knew of as well and did not know personally until Drag Race. But right before we'd met a couple times, Courtney and I. And I think the week I found out I was booked or, or cast on the show that she and I had talked and she mentioned you. And that's when I was, you know, back in the day, doing my little Facebook search. And I think that was the connection I knew. But physically meeting you, God, I can't remember where the fuck we were because once Drag Race happened, it all becomes kind of a blur for me. I know it had to be out in WeHo at some point. Mm-hmm. And I know that we've had many evenings together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'm going to 
like totally refresh your memory because it oh, was shit. actually like way before Drag Race. Where was it? Where were we? So, and that's what's like so cool about this is like I've been like tracking, you know, like my journey through the LGBT, you know, my yeah. LGBT journey. And yeah. I, when I got to like, I was like, I want to interview Bianca. Where did she like fit in all this? And then I was piecing back and I remember, I'll never forget. It was, it was the crowning for, I believe Sharon's season. What? Okay. Now this makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And before that, and that I have a story in of itself. I think you remember that night. But right before that, I was in New York City with DWV and we had a night off and Detox was like, let's go see a Bianca Del Rio show. Okay, okay. And I was like, who's Bianca Del Rio? And she's <laughs> like, girl, if you think I'm fucking funny, like, wait. <laughs> and it was... For the record, none of us think detox is funny. None of us do. So, yes, no. <laughs> we love that bitch. <laughs> I think it was, like, even just the, like, how mean she was to me. She was like, you know, like, if you think I'm fucking mean, like, of course. Wait, till, wait till you meet. Wait till you meet. And this we went to your show, and it was just me and detox. And it was you, Lady Bunny, and a couple other people. But I had never laughed so hard. And then after the show, we went and said hello to you. And that was totally the first time we met. And then I was back for the crowning, for Sharon's crowning in New York. And that happened at your club. Because you were like the queen of Excel, right? Well, what happened was a Brandon Voss, who is now, you know, Voss Entertainment, all intertwined with all that. Brandon Voss was a big promoter in New York and they were opening up this new venue. There was a place called XL prior to this particular venue that I worked mm -hmm. at. Um, I know I'm shaking the table, so it looks like a, hur a hurricane, <laughs> earthquake. Uh, you tell where I'm from. We don't have those down south. But um, what was interesting was that he was opening this new club, XL, which was this new version of XL. He was going to put a show together. So he'd hired Lady Bunny. He says, I know I want Lady Bunny to host. And then she said, because me and Bunny were friends, well, we would only, she would only do it if I was involved. And he's like, oh, I don't like Bianca. She's rude. Typical, which is what everybody says. She seems like a cunt. I'm not interested. And Bunny says, they'll only do it if Bianca's a part of it. So we then, I got the job and we started working together. And then he ended up liking me, which was interesting because in the beginning he had no interest whatsoever. Then he started liking me. And that's when he began, I guess, his early relationship with World of Wonder. And he would host the finale parties because that's how they used to do it back in the day. They would film, you know, film the finale and then they would go and introduce <laughs> the winner live right mm -hmm. that was the game so there we were in new york and he says i need somebody who's not affiliated with the show to host the show to keep it moving because they bring in all oh, 14 15 or whatever it was mm -hmm. cast members to do a number and he's like you know they're excited to be here they get drunk they talk endlessly we need somebody to keep it moving so that was my link so i did sharon's year and then i did jinx's year and what's crazy about the jinx year is I had just found out, I think, that day or the day before that I was cast. And I remember standing on stage for the finale 
and Jinx gets in, Jinx gets announced and then they're taking a photo while they're giving her a check and I'm in the background and I'm like, I need to get out of this picture because it's going to look like some crazy conspiracy, which there was none. There, there was, was never none. It was just none. the community was so small then too. And that's why it was like, that's why I was like, I have to know who Bianca Del Rio is. You know, it was yeah. like the who's who. But I was at that crowning too. And I remember... Do you remember Alaska? Remember oh, that? Oh, <laughs> girl. How does she remember? Does Alaska remember that? There's got to be footage somewhere. There must there be. There has to be footage. And I'm going to fucking say it because this is hilarious. And I did this. I just thought of this. But yeah, like. It was uh, wild. When so I good. say. Yeah, because. Okay. So for the listeners, like they would film, you know, like they would they would film the crowning of all the girls. And then you wouldn't know until the it that aired. night right. it aired. But back in the day, we would find out that night at the crowning party. Correct. So you would find out at the crowning party as the show, wasn't the show happening, right? The show was airing. Cause it was a then, viewing, right? Like we were at a viewing. viewing. It was a viewing and then everybody performed. That's what it was. That was the old school for four five and six. Cause we did it in Vegas for us. For our season. But yes, that was the, the math of it. So you're kind of watching the show play by play. And then they introduced the winner that night in person, which there's, there might have been, I think the year Jinx won, Michelle Visage was there. So, but there was no Rue there. There was no, it was no mm -hmm. big fanfare. We're literally in a club in New York City that was packed with people, but it wasn't the production that they have now, so to speak. I mean, the television was a big production, but the announcement was kind of just happening mm -hmm. there with what, maybe 200 people? And then you find out who won. Social media wasn't big then either. It wasn't. It wasn't. That... It was Vine. There yeah. was like Vine. I remember was a thing, oh, but there was. <laughs> yeah. I know, aging. But no, but yeah, there was an Instagram and it was like no. word of mouth. Like I remember like, like I would like fly myself out for those. I know That's I was crazy. so oh, the golden it. years the golden years the golden years oh and honestly it wasn't even like that big of a story just like Alaska literally lost her mind that she lost oh, she did well she thought she was gonna win so that on top of alcohol that evening because she was wasted and I you know there's no denying that look we've all been there I've never been there in a competition setting on that level she had she had kind of crossed over, I would say. When her mom was there, her mom was trying to help her off the stage. She was in that garbage bag dress. I was like, girl. Her mom, her mom was just trying to like be so motherly and, and like. Yeah. yeah, can you imagine? The mother's like, I want to support your drag career, but girl, you're going to act like this? It was wild, it was wild. There is a photo of her crawling on the stage, the mother helping her and me just standing there going, yeah, so one of those lovely candid shots. <laughs> ah, and yeah, then, well, because, well, and then I remember when I met you the two years prior with Detox that night, uh -huh. Detox being like Chanel works for Drag Race. And I remember you saying something like, oh, like they would never want this clown on that show. Yeah, yeah. And I remember just thinking like, oh, like Bianca will never do Drag Race. Like that was like, you know, it wasn't, what, what shifted for you? Well, the game was, let's be honest, in the beginning, the show wasn't as big, so to speak. It definitely wasn't as big as it was now. And I wasn't a fan of the show. And I didn't mean I watched it and hated it. I just wasn't 
into it. Like I wasn't into all the madness. I had a day job, which I was at work 8.30 to 5. And then I would do my shows late in the evening. I had a roommate at one point that lived by the show, loved everything about it. I want to say that it wasn't as, it wasn't as mainstream and not that many people wanted to be on it early on, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like a sleeper hit. If that makes any sense, it just kind of grew. And what I had seen of it, which involved a lot of lip syncing and a lot of cattiness, I was like, mm, it just seems so young in comparison to what what my life was at that point. That show that you saw me in, XL, with Bunny and everything, one night I'm there doing the show and Bunny says to me, girl, Michelle Visage is here. And I was like, oh, okay. And I knew of Michelle. Obviously, I didn't meet her before. So she was there at the show. And prior to the show, I walked out and she said hello. And I said, hi. And then I turned around and went about my business. So then we do the show, Bunny and I and, and Sugar Pie Coco and Milan at that point was in the show. So all mm -hmm. of us are there. who's wonderfully on Broadway right now in Sweeney Todd. Go Milan. Dwayne Milan. Um, uh, go Milan. I know, the best. So the craziness was that we were there doing the show. And then after the show, I'm packing up my stuff because our show was pretty early. It was like eight o'clock at night and we were done by like 11, which was unheard of in New York City. But I think the club turned into a straight club or something at that point. So I'm packing up my shit. And mm -hmm. one of the bartenders comes back and says, Bianca, there's somebody waiting for you in the bar. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, who? Like, is this some Coke dealer I didn't pay? Who is who's out there? They said, it's Michelle. And I'm like, the fuck does she want? She came up to me. She goes, number one. You were rude to me earlier when you said hello. And I was like, number one, I wasn't rude. I said hello and then went to go get ready for the show because I didn't lick your ass. And she's like, number two, why haven't you done Drag Race? And I'm like, well, because I just didn't think it was for me. Like I, I, I thought young queens who like Beyonce, who like death drops, that's what I thought. And she says, no, she goes, I have absolutely nothing to do with casting. She goes, but I think that you would be a good asset. You should consider it. She's like, what are you doing with your life? And I'm like, well, this is what's going on. I'm working in bars, doing a thing during the day. And I gave myself till 40. I said, I would quit drag at 40. If I was still in the bars, I thought 40, that's enough. I would have done drag 20 years. I'm good. Um, and, and how goes, old were you at that point? 37. 37. Oh, oh my God, that's how old yeah. I am right now. Oh, well, that was 10 years ago for me. <laughs> Actually, 48 now. But what's crazy is that it was just this thing. And she's like, well, I think you should consider it. And I had never really thought about it because I never had an adult talk to me about the show. I mean, I had friends of mine that were drag queens that all wanted to be on the show. So I didn't think I would be a good fit. So I called my friend Matt Kugelman and I said, why don't we just do a video that they asked for? Because audition video at the time. Send it in. They wanted you to uh, explain your life show your closet. I mean, it was pretty simple. It wasn't like nowadays where you have to do 15 characters and stuff. I think yeah, it was we've talked about that. It was like very, it was less format. It was, it was, you got in at, at, at a good time, Bianca. Girl, I say it every season. I go, I'm glad I did it when I did it. So we sent in the video and then we waited to hear. And then I found out really close. I think it was like two weeks before I had to go, which made me believe that that maybe somebody had dropped out or somebody something happened because I felt very last minute in the group of people. And that was that was kind of it. I was just was just like, let's see. And I get mm -hmm. on the show and I don't even really know the show. I don't know the show in and out like other people did. I didn't watch every season. I saw the Sharon and Jinx season. That's about mm -hmm. it. So I didn't know what to expect or what was to come at all. And God forbid, I didn't think it was going to be a career moment for me at all. I just thought, oh, it's TV. A couple of people will watch. Boy, was and I it, wrong. <laughs> and it really, cha yeah, it really changed your whole life. 
And you didn't even, you, did you even, when you said that you were going to retire at 40, was that to retire for costume design or like? Oh, no, 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 just Greg. I thought, you know, 20 years of being in and out of bars, you know, getting dressed in a closet, you know, like what was I doing? And I thought, I just, yeah, I didn't see a future in it. And I thought 40 would be a good, a good moment to wrap it up. You know, 20 Mm -hmm. fun years between New Orleans and New York. And I thought that would have been it. And then Mm -hmm. look what happens, you know? (laughs) No, like a whole trajectory of like a whole world's comedy tour. Like, did you ever picture that happening? No, I didn't see it. I didn't see, definitely didn't see it when I was on Drag Race. And it wasn't until we filmed that I said, let me make sure I know the path that I want to go on, which was not to do music videos, which was not to do an album. I mean, everybody was doing it. And management, <laughs> management I had at that time was like, this is what you should do. I'm like, I, no, no, I'm an adult. It's not what I want to do. I said, I want to go on the road. I want to tour. And so I did the first year while the show was airing, I went to every city there was, every club, every, whether it was $800, or $1,000, I did, which was a lot of money for me. I did every club that the club gig there was until we planned a tour. And then we didn't really have a tour set. It wasn't like set amount of days. We mm-hmm. just did three performances here, four there, five there. And then I ended up doing like, I think a hundred performances or so of my very first show. And then after that, I went, oh, this is now my formula. Then to do a tour, travel the world with the tour and then come back again. So. Right now, I'm about to start my sixth world tour, which is crazy, 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 crazy. And it reminded me of back when we did. So after the show, because when did we do Drag Queens of Comedy? Because I did that with you, too. And I was like, when was that? Like, was that after Drag Race? I was trying to. It was. Yes, because that's when Sasha got me involved. Sasha and Heclina and Peaches and all Mm. of that madness uh, and Turlene. So all of that happened. Let's see. It was probably the first year. So it must have been 2014, 2015 in there. Cause that's yeah. when it, that's when it made sense. Like I looked at that and I was like, "This is something." Like no yeah. one's doing this. The queens are like going on tours and doing numbers. Like, yeah, it was before the one woman shows. Like just lived in P town. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. Yeah. 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 Different times. Different what, times. What was crazy to think about though, like I, you know, I get all lost in the years because now my life basically revolves around crisis. So it's like. Hurricane Katrina, I know where I was before it. I know where I was after Drag Race is the other big catastrophe of my life that I go. Okay, it's pre-drag race, after drag race. So in those years, they were so jam-packed and there was so much opportunity for us. I mean, I don't know if if the girls get that, that, and I don't mean opportunities. I mean, a lot of them are doing, you know, fashion shoots and makeup lines, but we were like in a club every fucking night. We were someplace else in another city and mainly because we had a year in between each season. I mean, between mm-hmm. Jinx's season and season six, we had at least a full year, a complete year. You got and, a full year and it wasn't as oversaturated. There was only yeah. five seasons before you, you know what right. I mean? So And we were the only franchise. So it was a different, where we got to go anywhere in the world, which was so amazing. So all of that happened rather quickly, really, really fast. I love that. I feel like I really bonded with you at Latrice's wedding. Oh, God. Well, <laughs> that spectacle. Where were we? Atlanta, right? We were in the middle of Atlanta. She calls and said, well, it wasn't, it was like Atlanta adjacent. We were, we were someplace. We were in the woods. <laughs> we were in the woods. 
and we all stayed at that hotel. But the weird thing, wasn't it weird? Wasn't there like a, 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 a ceremony and then we had like four hours to wait in between before the, the, the reception? Yeah. Yeah, and we yeah. all thought about like going to Swinging Richards. <laughs> they were like, "No, you can go after the ceremony." But what you do guys. you do between four hours? Like four? I thought she was going to get in drag at the wedding or something. But yes, that was a very long alcohol-induced weekend. Yes, I do recall that. It was so much fun. And they're still married. They're That's still good. married. That's good. Let me tell you, every gay wedding I go to, girl, girl. I feel like, are you feel? Do you officiate weddings? I feel like that's hell no. <laughs> there was a time. It's like it's like during the pandemic when everybody had a podcast. It's like uh, there was a time when you're like, let me throw that on my resume that you can get ordained online. So I was ordained, but I never did a wedding at all, ever, ever. <laughs> you would be fucking. I did, but I but I did the I did the paperwork because I thought mm, just in case you never know a gig. A, a gig is a motherfucking gig. <laughs> I don't know like any of your backstory. Oh God. And I I want some of it. Like, will you give it to me? Where'd you grow up? What kind of family did you have? Oh God. Well, I grew up in New Orleans. You must've gone to New Orleans at some point. Have you gone to New Orleans? Do you know that is the one place I haven't gone? Are you kidding me? What the fuck's wrong with you? You I know, I know, I have to go. You have to, and with your tits, they'll love it. No, New Orleans is is a good time. I grew up there, started drag there in about 1996, I believe. And then, um, you know, lived there, worked, did costumes, did hair and makeup and shit for theater and things, and then was acting in some shows. And that's kind of how my drag career started, was being in drag in a play, you know? It evolved into somebody saying, hey, would you like to come to the club? And I'll say yes, you know, I'll say yes to anything. So I did, so then I started doing shows in the bars, and that's kind of where the whole clown aspect came in because the girls, they were very, very glamorous. You know, they were very done up and very, you know, we can't say the word anymore, but fishy was the word that they used back in the day, which was a compliment. I love that word. <laughs> it's a weird It's a weird thing now because now people are saying you can't say it or whatever, but I never knew it to be anything negative because it was always a compliment because it, mm-hmm. it meant there's something suspicious and fishy about you because you look convincing or you fish. look yeah exactly i the first time a queen said i was fishy i thought they meant i was smelly no see that, <laughs> that was never i mean i never heard that i never heard that until recently and i thought oh wow i guess it's well to anybody else it means something different but i was never but isn't that so beautiful that like and we'll see if this makes it in but isn't it so beautiful that like that that you want woman like you like you feel so feminine that you like embrace the fishiness well i think i i guess i guess it's just different times i mean mm-hmm. when when i never knew it as anything negative and i i never ever my entire career never did i hear of it as anything negative so you so weren't I, fi- you weren't fishy oh, hell no <laughs> no so that's kind of where the madness began. And I only started hosting the shows because nobody wanted to talk on the microphone. You know, they were the dancing queens or the gorgeous showgirls, and they didn't want to say a word. They were petrified of an audience. And I loved it. I loved that more than, than lip syncing or doing a number. I just loved being in the moment with people. So when you're doing that kind of thing with people, at, let's say one o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday night, 
in New Orleans. You learn your skill set, you know, between that and doing bingo at three in the afternoon for alcoholics, mm -hmm. it definitely changes your, your life. And that's when I was just kind of putting out fires is basically what I call putting out fires and trying to make money that I didn't think of it as a career or as a, oh, I'm a comedian or this is what I'm doing. I knew that I wasn't doing what everybody else was doing because none of them wanted the job. They just wanted to be mm -hmm. gorgeous and glamorous. So that kind of started the drag career. And then Hurricane Katrina happened, which, which at that time in New Orleans, I, I considered it the golden handcuffs, you know, because I was working at this bar, let's say five days a week, I think, and making close to $1,000 a week, which was big time back then. Yeah. I thought, oh, wow, this is pretty amazing, but it is a little boring. It is a little Groundhog's Day. So when the hurricane happened, it was kind of like this moment of like, all right, well, the entertainment world is not going to be up and popping anytime soon. So I thought, let me just pack my shit and go to New York. So I did. I had already lived in New York in 93 when I was much younger, but that's a whole nother story. But then um, I went back at 2005 and I said, I think I'm done with drag. I think I'm just going to stick with the costume work. And that's what I was doing in New York. And then I went and saw a couple of the drag shows and I saw these horrible queens. <laughs> and I thought, oh, fuck them. Oh, fuck them. So then I started working in New York. And then it just kind of snowballed, you know. It, but, but also in New York, it, it's that thing where some nights you're working, some weeks you're working three times a week. Sometimes you're working two. Sometimes you're working mm -hmm. five. You know, between mm -hmm. the city and Fire Island, it was a lot of back and forth. And I think that's, that's just kind of where I was until Drag Race happened, you know? And it seems rather quick, but it was many, many years. <laughs> so many. I'm many old. Years. You're yeah. so old. <laughs> but I want to know, like, where the monster began. Like, where, oh, like... The monster began because you were dealing with, with, you were dealing with what's in front of you. You know, you're at, you're, you're doing a show for people that aren't, they're not paying to be there. They're literally alcoholics, which are, which... <laughs> is great. I love alcohol. I drink. Mm -hmm. I, I love alcoholics. Mm -hmm. um, but here it was in this environment where you're basically dealing with a bunch of people that don't want to watch you. They're there to drink and you're mm -hmm. ruining their night by talking on the microphone or calling out bingo balls. So that's, I think, where the... Um... It was like your open mic. Like those yes. were those were years of open mic for you. Completely. Yes. Yeah. I mean, imagine just a really long monologue <laughs> every day. And that's where it, I think it stemmed from. And it was just a reaction. It was just a reaction to the people that were being assholes, you know? And I was never, I was never the Pollyanna type. I was never like, all right, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, my mom. No, mm -hmm. I was never that to begin with. So I kind of- What were you like as a kid? An asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I say, I, I mean, my siblings would probably say that, but I think I was different. I was called different before I knew what different was. I didn't know if different meant weird or if different meant gay or different meant nerdy. I was just called different. So you just roll with the punches and mm -hmm. never did I think that I'd be a, a drag queen or making jokes for a living at all. I wasn't one of those kids who were like, I know what I want to be and I'm going to, no, that was never, that was never my thing, you know? Yeah. How, I know, many, I didn't... how many siblings did you have? Uh, I have three older sisters and a younger brother. Yeah, it's crazy. Okay. I know. Oh I'm the oldest God. boy. Go figure. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, I'm just I'm wondering, like, I'm just wondering if it was like something that you learned, like had to learn as a kid. Yeah, I mean, I think it's 
it, it's an it's a natural instinct. And when, when people say to you, you know, oh, you shouldn't say that or oh, that's not right or whatever. I, I couldn't help it because it's what I immediately thought, you know, mm -hmm. so it's it's never a deliberate choice. I mean, I was an adult, you know, the difference, but my, my mind, like if I'm at a funeral, I'm the first person laughing. I don't know why. Like if some, I, I find the funny in everything mm -hmm. and I don't know if it's a, a defense mechanism or a skill set that I just do out of habit, but that's just usually the way that I roll. I mean, you will mm -hmm. see me laugh before you see me cry. Trust me. <laughs> I'm not one of those weepy bitches like uh, I will laugh I mean if you if you fall down and die I'm gonna laugh take a picture and then I'll help you up or try to call the ambulance then but before that no it's 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 comedy for me well and I learned that early on with with you and and some of the other girls where like something traumatic would happen and D and you were the first one making the darkest joke about it but it makes you feel better it well, really have, does. Well, sometimes you can't do anything about the situation, so you got to find the fucking humor in it. You know, it, it's it's, and also if it happens to somebody else, it could happen to you. So you got to laugh and go, "Ooh, dodge that bullet," <laughs> you know. But truly, no, you like you you're like taught me that like life isn't like to not take it too seriously. Hell no, hell no. We're all gonna die. No, God, at least have fun while you can. You know. <laughs> What's a moment in your life that you can't believe you survived? Oh, God. Oh, God. I know. Let me think. Like, what? Like, well, well, I'm first of all, I think the thing that I'm most shocked by is that I'm still alive, that alone. <laughs> I mean, when I think of some of the nights I've had, some of the moments I've had, you know, that, that when you're young, and I don't mean like young and dumb, but I mean, when you're young and you don't realize how ballsy or scary some of the choices mm -hmm. you make. And, you know, I guess as a younger gay man, I was fearless as fuck, you know? You'd go out, you'd meet people, you'd hang out, you'd end up at somebody's house drinking and carrying on till four in the morning with a group of people, you know, just having a good old time. And now I watch Dateline and I'm like, I could have been killed. I could have died. I Like forensic files. This is the recipe. This is what happens. You know, and now I'm in Palm Springs in bed by 9.30, you know? <laughs> so I think wow, I got through that unscathed, you know, like uh, just, just, I guess, gay youth. I got through that, you know, but I have absolutely no, no regrets whatsoever on any of it. Like, I don't think to myself, what if I would have changed? What if it, no, I'm, I'm pretty cool with what is, 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 and what's happened has happened. And it's all kind of shaped where my life is today. So I don't think there's anything that I go, ah, I think, yeah, it all happened for a reason. I'm amazed I got through it. But I I wouldn't change any of that at all. I love that. You can't. I mean, well, first of all, you just can't. And what's the point <laughs> of going, I should have, would have, could have, you know? No. And if you start telling people that, oh, God, they hate you. If you're like, oh, mm -hmm. I have this chance. Who gives a shit, you know? And those moments, like, defy you. I should have been trafficked so many times when I was younger. <laughs> you know what I mean? Some of the shit <laughs> Like the choices you make after three drinks, you're like, oh yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Let's go to the east side at three in the morning when I have to be at work at eight. Great idea, great idea. Like, what am I doing? And I don't mean, I don't even mean like going to hook up with somebody. I mean like a group of us in the snow thinking let's go sit at someone's house with no liquor, we think they might have. Yeah, some. they might have the one, but remember those nights where it'd be like, they might have a bottle of they vodka. Might. <laughs> they might, they might, 
they might. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you're just like, and you're not even thinking logically. You're so fucked up already. You're like, this is a great idea. Let's get trapped in an apartment with a lot of heat over on the east side at 3 a.m. And let's gather and talk about the nonsense we've been talking about so far all night. No. Sit, let's all sit on a mattress on the floor and yes, pass yes. around the, this much vodka that's left in the bottle. Yep. And pet the random dog. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> there is always some random dog in someone's always, bed. Always. Always. Oh my God. What's the craziest thing you did when you were young when you were young? Oh my God. The crazy oh let's see the craziest thing. I know your memory, you probably have memory loss, but like oh. I want a wild young Bianca story. Well, I'm just thinking to myself, what did I do that was wild? I don't you know, because I, mean, I think people do. They look at you as this, you know, polished. Oh no, no, no. motherly I, I was, figure. No, like honey, I want to know the crazy shit. No, I was trash. No, I'm trying to think of what was the craziest thing <laughs> I did. I mean, I mean, there were many moments that I, I, that you just go. I mean, those nights in New York, I'm like, what? But then there was nights in New Orleans that you just say to yourself, one night I, I was in drag, drunk, and rode a garbage truck, and they let me do it. You know, like that. And there's a photo of me like hanging off the back of the garbage truck that I just thought that was a great idea. Could have died, could have fell on the machine. Like, but that's that's the life that I lived. But but as I said to you before, I couldn't change any of it. But mm. but if you if I were to write it all down now, it would sound completely insane, you know. And while I'm thinking about it, there's so many just little random instances, but nothing. Nothing bad. Like, I didn't rob a bank. I didn't kill anybody yet. In my brain, I can only think of, like, the wild nights that I had, you know? Did you used to hook up with people in drag? Oh, never. Never my thing. I, I'm fascinated by the drag queens that do that. I mean, I wasn't passable, so no. <laughs> uh, we can't say that word. Well, we can say that word, but then, you know, it comes with, ah! So the point is, I was never convincing as a female, nor was I ever comfortable with being, like, let me be sexy in a wig. No. Have you seen my wigs? They're, they're, they're like this big. Like, how are you going to get sexy and let down my hair? <laughs> but you know what? I marvel. And, I, you know, we talk about detox a lot. But I, I'm fascinated by that behavior and that mindset that you just go, oh, yeah, I'm going to stay in drag. And that's fun for me. It was never part of Courtney my act. Courtney I, act. Courtney <laughs> oh, act used to steal yeah. all the men from me after the club. There you go. There you go. <laughs> trash, trash, trash. But I marvel at it, but it was never my never my thing ever, ever, you know. Reflecting on your journey. Oh. I want to know what's the biggest misconception that people have about Bianca Del Rio. I don't think there's any misconceptions. I think I'm judged by what I put out there. So I get it. Like if someone was to say, like many people have said, oh, I think you're a bitch. I think that you're cunty. I think that I go, sure, because all roads lead to it. I mean, what you see and what if you were to judge by it, you go, oh, all right. She seems like a bitch. So I, I don't think it's ever a misconception because I put it out there. You know, I can't be mad and go, what? People think I'm rude. Yeah, I am. I think they're surprised when they find out I'm normal and nice. But overall, I think I'm judged by what I put out there. So I think I got a fair a fair deal here, you know, <laughs> which is the opposite of someone who pretends to be nice and love everybody. And then you find out they're a fucking cunt. I mean, we know a lot of those queens, you know, like all the queens, I'm sober. And then they're doing blow out of your bag. You know, you, you know how that is. 
So I don't have those issues. I think people think the worst before they meet me. So anything after that is pleasant surprise. <laughs> so I've got, I got the reverse. I got the reverse version of misconception. Well, yeah. And like you said it earlier with like the Brandon Voss thing. It's like you're one of those people. It's like I, I think it's like more like they're intimidated of you at first. And then once they get to know you, they're like, you know what yeah, I mean? or or they just you know you have to be realistic with yourself and go sometimes you're not everybody's cup of tea you know some people find it harsh some people find it offensive sure i get it but i'm also not going to change nor am i looking for your validation and acceptance <laughs> there's a lot of people i hate trust trust <laughs> who do you hate <laughs> well just in general it's like you know i i I look at, I hate sappy people. I hate people that cry about everything. I hate people that want you to feel sorry for them. Like that, I don't, especially people that are entertainers or people that are actors and all that shit. Like, no, I don't, I don't want to hear your sad fucking story. I, I, I don't. It doesn't appeal to me on that level. So I hate people like, I hate people that, that thrive off of that, if that makes any sense. I love this. What are your pet peeves? People. <laughs> My biggest pet peeve, I think, is is tardiness. Tardiness sets me the fuck off in a professional setting. Well, you know, even in a personal setting, it really bothers me because if I can make the attempt to do it and be there, then you should as well. So I'm not a fan of people that cancel. I'm not a fan of people that are late. That that really because I stop like if I make plans, I stop what I'm doing. I know, okay, well, I need this much time to get ready. I know that I need at least an hour to travel. If it says 45 minutes, I need at least an hour. And I know it's crazy, but then I want to know where I'm at. If I don't know where I'm going, I want to make sure I'm in the right parking spot. And I want to be punctual because they can say, oh, she was a cunt and this meeting isn't going to work out, but she was there on time. Because it's just, to me, that just shows a sign of respect. So punctuality is very important, which is rare for a drag queen. But punctuality is important, and I hate, I guess it's it's more about miscommunication, but it's people that just don't say what they think. It's very simple to say, I don't want to go, or I'm not going to make it, or, you know, not my cup of tea, or, you know, I've got other plans. That's cool. I get it. But people that don't do that and then wait to the last minute and then just come up with some bullshit. I'm like, girl, girl, girl. I just communicate. It's very easy to say, hey, I'm not interested or I've already seen that movie. I don't want to go. You know, that, that I get. But people get so wrapped up in their head. Don't you find that to be true? No, I find it to be very true. And I, I don't know if it's like a younger generation thing. I don't know oh. what, where it came from, but like it, it's true. Like people don't have a concept of it. Just say it. Just say, hey, not my thing. I have no problem. And And also, I don't want people to to get mad at me when they say, do you want to go see a drag show? Absolutely not. Nope, nope, nope. Like, would you come to my, I don't have eight hours to spend sitting in an awful chair watching somebody lip sync to Mariah Carey. I'll go once a month, okay? I'll go every now and then, but I can't, I can't do it. It's not my idea of fun to go to a drag marathon. Absolutely not. And I will tell you that. And we can still be friends. But I ain't going. <laughs> Is that like, that's like torture for you. Well, it's just, you know, it's fine once in a while. But like, you got to remember, I've done drag now almost 30 years. I've seen it. I've seen that Annie Lennox number. I've seen that Barbara Streisand, Judy Garland medley. I've seen it done by better. I've, I'm good. 
I don't need to see you in a bad wig and a unitard with a fucked up zipper, zipper trying to lip sync to Nicki Minaj. I'm good. I'm good. How is drag different now from 30 years ago? So different. <laughs> well, first of all, it's everywhere. You know, I mean, there's, let's be real. You know, there's good and bad with all of it. I agree. We stay oversaturated. Sure. But there's also just been a great stride. I mean, I, I would be an asshole if I wasn't to say if the explosion of drag wouldn't have helped my career. It totally did. But there's good and bad with all of it. I, I, I don't think oversaturation is a good thing in any field. Let's be real. But, you know, because I consider it I consider drag for me a business. It's not a hobby. It's not a lifestyle. It, it It's it's a business and it's my job and it's what I do. And it, I happen to like what I do. So oversaturation on that level can be problematic. You know, if you're out on the road doing a show and there's 10 other shows happening at the same time, nobody wins because they split the vote. You know, mm -hmm. it's very hard for people's attention to be on what's going on. So that's a bit tricky. That's where the oversaturation becomes a problem. But it is kind of great. And I think about myself, if I were a 13 year old boy watching television and seeing drag on your television set at home and thinking, oh, I could be on there or maybe this is my ticket out. I think in that form, saturation is good. You know, I think that's a good thing for the younger kids who, who, who might be struggling or maybe don't have an outlet who go, oh, wow. OK, that's what I like. I think that's amazing. But mm -hmm. That's where it kind of helps. So it's a it's a yin yang kind of a situation when it comes to oversaturation, you know. But the world is completely different. I mean, completely different. Like you, like even when you were saying when you were like a little boy and and people called like you weird and your parents mm -hmm. like people didn't get it. Like if it was on TV, it would have felt different. Different. Oh, totally. Well, there's a reference. Oh, you know, somebody will then say. Oh, well, oh, he likes drag queens or, or maybe I would have had a clearer path to where I got by by watching that as a young child. But none of that really existed. I mean, there were variety shows and stuff like that where there was a gay character, but not so much drag in our living rooms like it is now, you know, so I, it's kind of wild to think when I'm doing a show and I have a, a young kid that comes up to me and at a meet and greet and is like, oh my God, I love drag. And he's wearing heels and he's standing there with his grandmother. I'm like, wow, how far we've come. How far we've come. And then in two years you find out it's Laganja. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's wild. It's wild. It's wild. Oh, Laganja. Who are, who are your favorite drag queens? Oh, they, well, there's so many, I, I, it, and I say so many. It's very hard to talk about them because a lot of people associate, well, if you're talking to a regular group of people, you mm -hmm. know them, so it's a different. But like, yeah. if you're talking to people that come to your show and they say, who's your favorite drag queen? And let's say you say Roxy Andrews. Their issues are, oh, well, she was so mean to Jinx and she was, and I'm like, well, that's not how I know her. Exactly. So it's, so it's people, people do that to me with queens all the time. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, oh, you know, she's, yeah. a, she's a monster. And I'm like, but, yes. but I love that. <laughs> yeah, but she's also like a friend and that was also a blip of uh, her life. And yeah, so mm -hmm. I, I do find that interesting. There's so many of them that I like for so many different reasons. Well, I'm not going to say that because I love, I probably love the same ones that you do too. Yeah, I That's mean, why I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious of like who you actually like, like consider like a sister. 
Oh, there's so many of them. There's so many of them that I am. And but I just kind of connect with everybody on different time frames. Like I always check in with everybody to see what's going on. Mm -hmm. So let's see, who did I check in with this week? Uh Brooklyn Heights, I checked in with this week. Naomi Smalls, I checked in with this week. Bob, I checked in with this week. Monet, Mistress Isabel Brooks just called me. So it's a <laughs> You know, it's crazy. You are like a mother hen, I feel like. Well, it, and also there's like this thing of like, what's going on? What's happening? Or if I see a post, you know, I won't necessarily comment on that stuff. I'll say, oh, that's amazing. What's going on? You know, kind of a thing. Or they'll call you and ask you questions about business. I get a lot of those questions. Well, what do you think about this? Or how do I do this? Or how like Jimbo's been on my ass for a year talking about blah, 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 blah. I'm like, Mary. Quit texting me. You could call me. It'd be so much easier. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so many of them that that you that you connect with on different levels. But usually, mm -hmm. it's the OG girls, you know, the mm -hmm. detoxes and um and and the Jinx and the Mariah Balenciaga and and all of them mm -hmm. that that you know I spent a lot more time with because I've known them longer. You mm -hmm. know, yeah. I love it. If you could go back and change anything in your life, what would you? Oh, I wish I was fishy. No, I wish <laughs> I would. Oh, God, what would I change? I don't know. I don't know if there's anything I would change. I love that. Yeah, I mean, how? Because, you know, you change one thing and then it all just kind of shifts into everything else could have turned out differently, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I don't I don't believe in that. I mean, I don't always agree with what's happened, but I've been able now, I, when you get to a certain age, you sit back and you go, after 40, you'll realize this. You just go, hmm, it happened. It is what it is, you know? Yeah, but no, tell me, like, I want to know, like, what you came to realize after 40. That you're old and that even if you're not, even if you don't feel old or look old, everyone's going to tell you you're old. And anytime you mention your birthday or the year you graduated high school, someone's going to say, I was born that year. Be prepared for that. You get a lot of that. People want to know, what was it like back then? And it's crazy because I have drag performers that are older than I am that are friends of mine. You know, the Sherry Vines and the and mm -hmm. the Jackie Beats and the Lady Bunnies and the Coco Perus and the Varla Jean Merman that are a good 10 years older than me. And I think they're calling me old. What the fuck do you call them? Like, that's that's ancient artifacts. That's antique roadshow. Like, what the fuck? So... Yeah, I'm I'm fascinated by that, but that happens a lot. And, and it becomes an excuse. Like people will use it as a read when they're talking to you. Oh, well, you're just old. Or oh, you grandma, you just don't. And you go, Great. And I often say, you know, I hope that you I hope you last this long. <laughs> I hope you live as long as I have. I mm -hmm. hope you have fun. Because you're gonna die, faggot. You're gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> We're all dying. Young people die too. <laughs> no, it is. It's like you made it. You fucking made, you made it. it. You made it through your own little version of life. And you're just kind of like, okay. Now I don't wake up every day going, ah, oh, my life is amazing. You know, I kind of go, oh, wow, I'm, I'm 48. Oh, wow, I'm going to be 49. Oh, my God, I'm close to 50. Because, you know, what you think of 50 when you're 20 is completely different when you're creeping up on it at 48. So mm -hmm. you just kind of, your life adapts. I never thought I'd be home at nine o'clock at night going to bed. I never thought I'd be at a gig thinking about my bed. <laughs> I never mm -hmm. thought about, you know, I need a day to not do anything. I never thought I'd turn off my phone and not talk to people for 24 hours. But that all comes with age, you know? And it's not so much disconnecting from the world. It's kind of like self-help. <laughs> You're like, I need Literally. a fucking minute. I need a minute. 
Also, just listening to your gut. Like, yeah. it's just like the voice gets louder, like where it's like, no, stay in. <laughs> or or what about like like when you, like I was telling you before, those nights where I'll end up at somebody's house with 10 other people drinking and carrying on till five in the morning. But now when I'm out at the bar, I've already made the plan. Like I'm going out for one drink and I'm looking at everybody going, I'm leaving here in 15 minutes, whether the show starts, whether Morgan McMichaels is on that stage with her stinky perfume, or I am not staying here at Mickey's till five in the morning. I'm on my way out. No exceptions, no bullshit, no amount of wrangling. And that's, that's, that's over 40, you know? You're like, you know where the exits are and you're gonna go no matter what. And if some bitch is like, let me go get you a shot. And then you bolt, you run out that fucking door. That's that's over 40. That's it. That's it. Stick it to your plan. Stick it to your plan. And you start thinking, what would I be like at 5 a.m.? I'd be a shit fucking mess. I'm not doing this. I'm not I'm not going through it. Like you you're actually playing it in your mind. Whereas when you're 20, you're like, oh, what could happen? This is gonna be so much fun. <laughs> go straight from the I'll just go straight from the afters to work. Yeah. yeah, like I'm gonna be fine. Like yeah. now, even the thought of that, like I have these images of my head of like shaking on the ground the no. next day. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, how I did like, I do that? How did I do it and did it and then got away with it and then now can talk about it? I'm like, okay, that's out of my system, completely out of my system. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm looking for all exits at 10, 15 at the latest. Oh, I'm thinking yeah. about what I'm going to order on the way home so that totally. the food gets What's there. Yep, that's the ticket. That's the that's and once age. you get a, I am I'm no what once you get a dog oh, oh. that then it's the like over. I I gotta go like gotta no, but go the best that that's the excuse the dog <laughs> is better than a boyfriend because if you say that about a boyfriend they think you're getting abused so what you need <laughs> to say you're like oh I can't I gotta be home for him but with the dog scenario and if you if it's another dog person they totally get it. Oh, you have to be a monster to not like to not like be like, no, don't go walk your dog. <laughs> well, there's there's some cat loving people. They're like, he'll be fine. I'm like, no, it's not a cat. It's a different world. But it's also a great excuse. Like, I got to get out of here because I got to go walk. I got to go feed. I got to go give medication. It was the start. It was the start of my toning down for sure. It was the dog. It was like, how great is that? It's the best. It yes. really is. Oh yes. my God, look at us. I'll calm down. <laughs> I know. I like, and I like purposely only drink wine when I go out now. So, like the red, yep. you know, because then it's yep. like, oh, just have... you can drink red while being out. I can, but it has to be nighttime. I don't like red during the day. I'll have a Pinot Grigio during the day. Ooh, I can't do Pinot Grigio. I'm a, I'm a Chardonnay. I'm a buttery bitch. I can't Chardonnay? I'm cheap. I'm gross. It's maybe, maybe it's too many Delta flights and that's all. <laughs> I'm a Chardonnay. I can, I can do Chardonnay when I'm on stage working. And then I can do red when I get off stage, but I can't do red on stage. Cause I mean, there was a moment when I was not feeling well. <laughs> this is funny <laughs> that you would understand. So I'm on the road. I don't know what month we're in and I'm there doing night after night a show. And I always drank white wine and I'd have my Chardonnay on stage. That's my set. It's literally a, a table and a glass of white wine. That's all I need. And, and in that situation, I would drink it. And then I started to feeling really kind of acidic and just like gross in my mm -hmm. stomach. And, 
And normally, if you feel that way, you would probably stop drinking, you know, and you would go, all right, well, let me be a better person and maybe take a break. Not me. I'm like, well, let's try another flavor. Let's go ahead and try rosé. Maybe I can do a Jack and Ginger for like a month. I'm trying every drink I can on stage where the key was just stop. Just stop, you stupid. You need a break. Yeah, you need a break. But then I learned that I can't do red drink, red, red drink, red wine. Red drink. On stage. Um, that's how good it was, red drink. But I realized I couldn't do the red wine on stage. So I can't do red wine. And then rosé just tastes like perfume. I can't do that. So Chardonnay is my my go-to. Your go-to. go-to. I, re- I remember your Chardonnays on set when we did yeah. Drag Me. Yes. <laughs> me and Neil and our little coffee cups. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. Um, no, I don't think I could drink red on a stage, like performing for thousands of people. I think Wait, it's more it? like, I don't think I could drink red wine, like on stage. Oh, okay. To- yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I think it's more of like a chill, like, yeah, no, not like you're doing sold out shows for thousands of people. Like, but, red's but, a lot, red's a lot. The weird thing <laughs> is I can do it, I can do, like, I'll have a drink before. Depends on, it. well, there's many incarnations of this. I've had, you know, a full bottle before I've gone on stage in my life before. And then I've had like a glass, and then I've had like mm-hmm. a glass during meet and greet. I've had a glass when I get ready. It really depends on where I am in it. But I find having one, before the show at some point in some version, it -hmm. helps. And then on stage, you just have one to sip. And there's those markers in the show where you're like, okay, I can go sip now because I got through that part that I've now remembered and mastered. And now I deserve this next sip, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like Adele. If you're Adele and you're singing the hits and you get through, you know, fire in the rain number and you're like, all right. All right, before I sing hello, I can have a sip of wine. Yeah, that's what I do to myself. That's what I do. <laughs> I mean, it's really just listen. You're 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 listening to yourself. You know yeah. what you can handle. You're yeah. you've well, done it. Well, I think I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't walk off stage, but yeah, it all it all goes over well. Has there ever been a night where you were so you don't remember? That that on stage? Yeah. Um, some night, well, not so much like I don't remember and was horrified. There was many nights that you, you know, you kind of go on autopilot, you know. Because I feel like you black out anyway on stage a little bit. Well. No, not like, not that blackout. (laughs) I'm like, what show did you see? No, like you're just in it. You know what I mean? To where you're like not even realizing if like, because like you said, you're on autopilot. You're on autopilot. Sometimes you're on autopilot. In a good way, like you're an autopilot and you get through it. And and then there's those moments when you're overthinking everything. And there's some points when you're talking and your brain is telling you something else, but what you're saying is something completely different. Those are insane moments. But never did I have a moment where it was like, I got so wasted that I, no, I, I don't have that opportunity. So <laughs> yeah, like, like I'm not out there with like a tap full of wine. Just no, for, no, but, no, no, no. But, but, but um, like, a, you know, there's those times you like after the forgot, show yeah. forgot to eat dinner and yes, you know. yes, yes. after the show for sure. But, but on stage, no. Cause then you, 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 you start to figure out, you just like, you, you felt bad you know, stomach wise or just drinking wise or whatever before that you're like, I don't want to feel that again. Let me have some crackers or let me make mm-hmm. sure I eat or or realizing, you know, when you're on the road, there is no routine. What would people be surprised to find out about you? Ooh, ooh, I don't know. What would be like surprised? just us girls? No one's listening. Surprise, 
What would be, Jamie, what would be surprised? Look, I'm asking him because I don't know. What would be surprising? That I buy two of everything? Is that surprising? That's a surprising fun fact. Oh, oh, it would be surprising to people that I, I, I like a certain kind of salsa. And with this salsa, I, I buy it and then I eat the salsa and then the jar is glass and I save the jar, which this is gonna be crazy. And then I goo on the labels all off of them. And then I soak them and scrub them and everything. And then I spray paint the lids and they hold all of my little jars. They hold all of my little beads and sequins and stuff in my workroom. So they're all salsa jars. I've eaten that many jars of salsa over the years that they're now on my shelf hoarding all of my items. Random. There you go. People that, would be surprised. That mm -hmm. is a fun fact. Well, I could make it more exciting. And then in the jars, I put human eyes and people's testicles. That would be exciting. But yeah. <laughs> they just hold my little craft things in my salsa jars. That was a fucking good one. What's that, next? I mean, you know, that's the most surprising. <laughs> what's What's next for Bianca Del Rio? I mean, you've done, you've made a movie too, oh, right? There's yeah, two I made of two. them. I made two, and if you include the porn, three. No. Wait. Um, also, I did never commented on the fact that you said Morgan McMichael's is stinky. <laughs> her perfume. You yes. know that stinky perfume she wore. That cheap It's that cheap detox perfume. It's not. You know, detox wears the real one, and then she wears the imposter version of it. What is it called? Alien. Alien. I wear alien. <laughs> okay. I love the smell of real alien. But I also don't need to sit in the audience at Mickey's when some unlined taffeta cape comes on stage and this whiff of design imposters perfume from Morgan McMichaels <laughs> just, just wafts over the whole room. So that's what I mean. She's not stinky stinky. She's like too much perfume that's cheap stinky. Okay. You, you've been there. <laughs> you know what she smells like. <laughs> God. <laughs> It's like the perfume is as cheap as the cape she's wearing. It's no Delta work, I'll tell you. Oh, I just did her podcast. Oh my God, what did you even, what did you, what did you talk about? Has it aired yet? You can't tell, you can't tell. Well, you were two old ladies, so we were just yelling at the clouds, talking about everything. You know, you don't need. You put me and her together, we just go off on tangents about nothing. Yeah. I, I know. I, I love it because I, and I'll like, if something bothers me, like I'll just like vent it to Delta. Like I'll just, and, and it, and then she always validates it. She always validates my opinions on things. We had a very long discussion about people with peanut allergies on an airplane. I leave you with that. I leave you with that. Yes. Yeah. 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 It okay. was new to her. It was new to her, but I had to explain it. What's next? Well, I'm going on the road uh, starting in February. I'll be on the road. We just recently announced my new show, which is called Dead Inside. And it's my new tour. And we're starting with 60 cities in the U.S. and Canada, which is what's been just announced. They go on sale tomorrow. Uh, General mm -hmm. admit, well, whenever. They're, I don't know when this is airing. They're on sale now. In a couple weeks. Okay. So um, just announced the new show, Dead Inside. And we start... February in San Diego, and we go through 60 cities all over the US and Canada. And obviously we'll be continuing the tour into other countries and additional cities will be added, additional nights will be added. But these were the first 60 that we announced at the moment. So I'll be out on the road starting in February until 2025. So 
I got a lot. I got a lot going on. I'll be away for a while. I'll be drinking my wine and thinking of you. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I just you're like no bitch. <laughs> I was terrified of you in the beginning. Well, you should be. <laughs> I, I I really worked hard. I really I remember the first time you were nice to me. I was just like, yes, I fucking did it. But you see what I mean is that everybody thinks you're going to be a mean person. Mm -hmm. And look, I I I I get what I deserve, you know. But in the end, it's like when they meet you or they just know you from your work. It, it's it's a different it's a different thing when you're actually in the company of someone else, you know, and you get to know mm -hmm. them as a person. So it is what it is. What did you really think of me when you first met me? Oh, I thought you were a cunt. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, didn't. I thought you were nice, but I was, I'm always suspicious when everybody likes somebody and I don't know them, you know, because like Willem I'm... and all of them were like, oh, she's fine. Oh, she's the best. And I'm like, mm -hmm, we'll see. And that's usually how I work. I mean, I don't say that out loud, but that's what's going on. No, that, that's how yeah. I am too. I'm Whenever, like, yeah. Something's wrong with her. Something's wrong. Something is something ain't right. Like, mm -hmm. not that you gave me any indication, but I just thought because people liked you, I thought, hmm, we'll see. What but changed it? Well, when I got to know you and I realized, <laughs> oh, she likes dogs and she's as stupid as I am. Oh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. I get it. <laughs> we both like to drink, yes. yes. Oh, I yes, need to come do. have a Palm Springs weekend with you. Come on out. We're in bed by 9.30, bitch. We're up at 6 a.m. So, yes. And Let's fucking do it. There's a dog park out here that we take the dog to. Um, there's, uh, it was always sunshine, although today it rained. But um, or yesterday it rained. Uh, but there is sunshine all the time. I mean, you come out here, haven't you? You've been out here to Willems. Well, you? I've been out there to Willems, and I think we may have hung out. I think you swung by that day to say. I hi went to by us. once to do a podcast. I think over at their house. I yeah, haven't. No, been let's do it. We should. We let's should make have a plan. Let's make a plan. It was so fun catching up with you. I hope you had fun. I had a great time, bitch, and I'm looking <laughs> forward to you being out here, and we can drink our wine at nine in our pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, literally that's how you know we're getting old i was with sutan last last oh, week yeah. I, I went and saw her new place it's so nice and she's like i can't wait for you to come over and we'll wear pajamas and watch movies <laughs> and i'm like oh my god our lives have changed so isn't it, much isn't it crazy yeah that's, <gasps> but i'm but so that's proud crazy. of you i'm so oh, well, proud of you, you. It's been a wild ride and you know, look, it's like, I'm just grateful to get to work. And as long as you keep plowing through it, it's like, how lucky, how lucky, how lucky. You never know how long it's gonna last because you're gonna die. So you gotta keep moving, gotta keep trucking. Everyone, you're gonna die, so. Yes. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> keep fucking trucking. Okay, tell keep me to trucking. shut up a couple times and then we're done. All right, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> Wait, we have to be quiet now? Is that what you said? I know. I just want you to say shut up Chanel and we're done. Oh, you always said, I thought you, <laughs> thought you said, I'm going to shut up. We need to shut up for right now. I thought you were like recording room tone. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, I was like, well, did I say something that funny? <laughs> no, I was laughing because I was like, okay, she wants me to be quiet, but I'm laughing. Okay, so that's it. <gasps> So it has been a blast. I have enjoyed it. And I cannot wait to see you out in Palm Springs. But for now, shut up, Chanel. Perfect. I love you so much. Have a good night. Oh, you did, you did my shut up. Shut up. Remember, my lips aren't real. I got to be careful. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, Chanel. All right. I love you so much.